Good evening and welcome to this Friday's edition of Stockwatch. I'm Zinati Guma and joining me to wrap this week up are Dale Hutchison from APSA Asset Management and Caroline Kremen from AdviceWorks. Thank you to the both of you for joining us. Let me start with you, Caroline. So when I look at the um, earnings from the U.S., they largely beat market expectations, right? And I guess we can maybe debate if the expectations were low to begin with in another time. So we did have, you know, a few disappointments here and there, but largely the market did welcome those earnings. So in South Africa, we're now knee deep in earnings. And I'm interested in what your sense has been on the local bourses company earnings so far. Look, I think it's been a mixed bag. I think what has been really nice is we've seen particularly some really good earnings coming through from the financial sector, from the banks. Um, you know, the banks are obviously at the forefront of any type of economic distress. So the fact that they came out um, with really, really good numbers um, in the type of environment we had, if you take into account the riots last year, you know, the benefits, the, the issues of COVID still kind of filtering through. Um, the fact that they came out and their debt levels and their bad debt levels are actually as I want to say as positive as you know as as they are, really really did surprise me. You know that the rest I think were pretty much in line. There were no huge shocks and disappointments. You know normally when there are disappointments, it's not because the company has, you know, been dishonest or led analysts to believe anything. It's because analysts and market usually said, well, they, the company said this, yeah. but we think it's going to be a hell of a lot higher, <laughs> and, and that's been a disappointment. I don't think there's any company that I can think of which promised this. Uh, and undelivered. <laughs> ah, okay. I, I hear you on that point. I hear you on that point, Caroline. Um, Dale, on your side, have you had any shocks um, or any surprises on the upside or the downside when it comes to any of these um, uh, company results? And I guess maybe looking at sectors, or Caroline's already mentioned the banks that came out with stellar uh, uh, earnings. Yeah, I think a lot of the companies probably gave us guidance ahead of their results coming out. So it's sometimes difficult to actually judge whether the results were a surprise because one quickly forgets what what the guide you know what the guidance implied yeah. you know, a month or two earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, what stood out for me probably was if we look at the PGM sector. Yes, mm. I think most of the earnings were lower. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still very good earnings if you looked at their earnings through the cycle. Possibly, yeah. You know, second or third best year they've, they've had on record probably um, mm. but it, it did show deteriorations and those deteriorations reflected in production numbers probably being a bit softer some of that mm. ascribed to things like um, social unrest some of it ascribed to Eskom. and i think that that mm. that's a theme that probably filters through in, in many sectors and markets mm. um, but there were a number of stocks that yeah, produced really solid results and you know Companies like Motus and Cup, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, strong results. Yeah, uh, you know, Dale. Just sticking with you, you spoke about uh, the, um, the the commodities companies, uh, specifically mentioning PGMs, and they did come out with these low results, as expected, in line with expectations. But then you had these ma- the market reaction going deeply into the red you had some going down eight percent on the day and i'm wondering if Mm. that was purely just market reaction or if it's also linked to the actual commodity prices going down on that day dale i think it's a combination of two things i think unfortunately they've put out results in a week where it's been a risk of trade Ah. concerns of global recession Mm. etc definitely weighing on these stocks 
But I think uh, these stocks have also, in putting out their forward guidance, you know, haven't been particularly bullish on necessarily mm. production volumes. And again, uh, if we looked at where the costs were printing, I think there was probably concern that the costs were yeah. going to be a headwind into the future. And maybe mm. that's also what, what weighed on the market. In, in, in a down week, if I can put it that way. Mm. Um, what stood out for me, Caroline, was that a lot of companies on the JSC are still declaring dividends, even though you saw earnings really slumping by big proportions. I'm wondering what is the uh, underlining sentiment to that? Look, I think, first of all, a lot of the companies in the JSC are really quality companies, you know, even if you mark them against their international peers. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're if you still listed at the JSC Top 40, you know, you've got good management, okay. especially, you know, in South Africa. Um, so, and a lot of these companies are the companies we'd recommend are companies that have got very, very consistent cash flow, you know, and they've got sustainable cash flow. And, you know, they, they like to give a dividend. They mm. are, um, their investors are largely our pension funds, things who expect a dividend. And also, you find that our companies can actually curtail costs to a great extent as, as well. So, um, it does surprise me. I think that once you've got a company with a good dividend pair, they're going to do whatever they have to do to make sure that they, you know, mm. continue to be a good dividend pair. So, um, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. I, and I don't think that's going to change much. Mm. Uh, talking about listings, a company that um, might be delisting soon is MassMart. So uh, they came out with that announcement that Walmart um, is offering a buyout uh, for the shares that it does not already mm. own. So there's a question here from a viewer. Now that the noise has died down, does the panel think that the Walmart bid to buy out the rest of MassMart will pass at the current offer price. So Walmart is offering 62 Rand uh, a share. Um, that was a 53% premium from the share price before the offer. And I think now MassMart mm. is at about 60, 60 Rand. Uh, Dale, um, what's your thoughts? Do you think that it will pass or do you maybe think that shareholders could come out at some point and say, we want uh, a, a sweetened offer? I think if you're a long-standing shareholder, you might have hoped for more um, because mm. it's certainly been a stock that's well off mm. its highs. Yeah. But in the same breath, I think people are acknowledging that the environment in which it's having to operate with the probable entry of Amazon into South Africa next mm. year, their whole space is remaining very competitive. Clearly, Take Lot's been a competitive force in this, their, their space as well. And I think it might be a bit of a relief that you, you are realizing value. And, the, and the, you know, there's still a lot of turnaround and maybe Walmart will feel they can do it in an unlisted vehicle easier yeah. than they can do it with, with MassMart being listed. So I suspect it will go through. Yeah. Um, you know, Caroline, um, MassMart, it's really a stock that's been beaten down. And mm. I'm just wondering if this was the only option for them or the best option for them to, to, to move forward. No, look, I don't think it was the only option. I mean, I remember all the, the you know, the, the happiness when Mass, when Walmart actually took a stake in MassMart yeah. and we all had high hopes. And it just, I don't honestly know what, what went wrong. You know, it just, yeah. it just seemed to kind of go from one failure to the other to the other. And... And I think if you're if you're a long-standing shareholder, like Dale said, you're a long-suffering yes. shareholder because it it just really never seemed to reach the heights it could. 
So when you've got a business like that and it is listed and, you know, it is a no-name brand, um, you know, people, you know, shop there, you know, weekly, a lot of people. Um, it's it's very difficult to turn a company around in a listed environment, you know, where you've got a consult of shareholders, where, you, you know, you've got one team of shareholders saying this, one team of shareholders saying the other. But you actually are seeing quite a few delistings, you know, overseas as well, where you actually have companies leaving the boat, yeah. you know, so it just becomes more flexible for them. I mean, MediClinic is another example, you know, it's, it's been taken private, so specifically the people who run it can actually rejig that business. And, you know, I would like to see something like this be able to stay on the on the on the boss um, to be traded while there, while there is a turnaround. But I think we've got to face the fact it's been about five years of them trying to turn the business around. And they haven't done it. Mm. You know, so, you know, this is the last chance of, for them to actually do it, rather do it out of out of mind, out of sight and fix the business. Yeah, with not as much <laughs> scrutiny. Um, Dale, just lastly, <laughs> on, <laughs> Dale, just lastly on MassMart, I mean, We've had retailers coming in with record results, um, one of them being true yesterday. But just looking at this company, I mean, it had a loss, an interim loss of over one billion rand mm -hmm. in a time when companies are coming out, retailers are coming out with excellent results. What can you pinpoint that was the thing that went wrong with MassMart? I think, unfortunately, it's the mix of products that I think they've sold. Um, and, you know, um, unfortunately, I think their competitive dynamic or space has gotten a lot tougher. Um, and, you know, and I think they've almost straddled trying to decide what universe they sit in. Mm. You know, things mm. like game. What, what are they actually targeting um, within their, mm. you know, at one stage they were debating, you know, bringing in fresh, etc. That wasn't working out. It didn't seem to gain traction. Then they pulled out of that. And I think it's this not necessarily you know, having a very strong defined strategy and a competitive world where, yeah. you know, if somebody's buying a fridge or buying a TV, the first thing you're going to do is go online and very quickly price compare a big ticket item where you might not be doing it on everyday items that, or, or clothing is very difficult to compare. That's more of an emotional purchase decision often than it is necessarily being able to clearly compare the price of one, the same product between two different um, retailers and I think it's a combination of all those factors all right um, an emotion that uh, Truards evoked uh, with me yesterday um, I was quite fascinated um, by the trajectory of the company uh, Caroline are you as equally fascinated by by Woolworths and uh, clearly the market uh, because we have seen the positive market reaction today you talking about Woolworths? No, sorry, Truids, 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 Truids. I saw you nodding your head and I was wondering, yeah, Truids. Yeah, this has always fascinated me because, you know, I'm not a fashion one or fashion, you know, I tend to go for the sales stuff. And, you know, it's always worried me, it's always worried me for the reason that we've had a lot of international competitors coming in, H&M and Zara, and yet Truids managed to stay there in the forefront. You know, when we've got economic downturns and you'd expect people to really be down trading into something cheaper, they're still at Truids. So they're doing something right, you know, the fashion mix is right, the management is good. 
you know, so every time I expect it's going to falter, it, it just doesn't. And, and I think it's when you get, it's like Dale said about Minnesota, when you get your product mix right and you get your situation where you are right, it, you know, you're in the sweet spot and you're going to keep on performing. And yeah, very, very good business. Yeah. All right. We'll also go into Woolworths. But Dale, I just want to get your thoughts on Truids. I mean, Caroline said that, says that, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a counter that uh, she expects it to falter, but then it really doesn't. And in fact, it, it, it continues to surprise to the upside. So just looking at Truids, um, do you think that it is a worthy competitor to favorites such as Mr. Price and TFG? Well, I mean, I think Mr. Price is probably targeting most of the time uh, a different consumer, um, you know, where I think their, their competitor is TFG. Mm. Um, clearly, um, they have done well. And, I, and you know, I, I tend to agree. It, we all are expecting the consumer to be under some pressure. Um, Yes, I think they've certainly um, have the ability to, to open the taps from a credit point of view. But you know, what positively surprised the market from that point of view is that their, their bad debt experiences are, are remaining very positive. Yeah. So, um, and I think though that's probably where they're executing well. Um, and if they can continue to do that and navigate, um, I think, a consumer that might be under some pressure, um, mm. they'll, they'll possibly continue to do well. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, with, you know, you look at retail sales and you look at what consumers are cutting out, but it seems that clothing really isn't one of the, those things. Uh, clothing retailers are really the winners here, as Dale mentioned earlier, that it's an emotional thing. So you even see that with the recovery of the fashion, beauty and home division of Woolworths. And just looking at Woolworths, they also came out with results this week. Um, it seems that things are coming along. Caroline, would you say that this is a commendable self-help story from Woolworths? Look, it's certainly an improvement of where they've been in, in prior years. And what is actually nice is that you are seeing the fashionable part of the business, um, you know, clothing actually doing better. I, I think, you know, I think a lot of that is also because people are going back to work, you know, and they, they're, you know, they're buying those work clothes, you know, that we didn't really need during lockdown. So it'll be interesting to see if that trend actually carries on. That's the first thing. The second thing that actually does worry me a bit about Woolworths is that food um, se yeah. sector. You know, this is something that really is, is I think, is feeling the competition, particularly from checkers. Yeah. Um, and this is really one of those sectors where people do down trade. And, you know, if you walk into Woolworths, they, they are very expensive. Now, I know that management is, is dealing with that, you know, trying to put things a little bit less expensive. I suppose it's all relative. Mm. But, um, you know, that's going to eat into margins. So I, I'm not quite as enthused about Woolworths right now. I want to see the trajectory of the clothing division and also what is actually going to happen in the food division as our economy gets weaker. Sticking with you, Caroline, what about David Jones? Uh, because I, that's been like the one of the major concerns when it comes to Woolworths. But it, it seems that there really is some sort of improvement. Um, the fact that also Woolworths uh, was saying that Dave, they're waiting for more capital from, from uh, post the, um, the, the reporting period from, from David Jones. Okay, I'm just going to pop it. We've had so many... <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't even go to David Jones. You've been David Jones's locker. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think they've ever been really upfront about that business. Mm. And and I think it's, you know, it's, it's I, I find it very difficult when they talk about it. You wonder if they're trying to save face. Mm. Okay. So I'm just going to place that there <laughs> yeah. and I'm make no further comments. And I will see what actually transpires. Yeah. Uh, Dale, do, do you have any thoughts on, on, on Woolworths? Yeah, I tend to agree that I think there is a recovery story. And I think it's still early days when it comes to their um, fashion, beauty, and home side. Um, the sort of margins they're achieving, they are well off the sort of averages that we saw, you know, for an extended period of time going back 10 years or whatever. Mm. Um, but the, the, I, w I would share the concerns around the, the food side. It's a very important part of the business. Um, I think there is a bit of a base effect that one has to give some credit for that they were a beneficiary of COVID um, yeah. and that has unwound. Mm -hmm. But I agree the comments of competition that Caroline made, I think you know, that is coming through. And, and we'll have to see how they navigate it, if they can hold. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, we'll have to watch that. And then I think what's also probably given the market a bit more comfort is the issue around Australia, in particular David Jones. Yeah. Um, and that you know, they have... I think affected uh, um, a separation in terms of covenants for that business. That business did turn, you know, cash self-funding now, etc. So, you know, the risks associated with it at the moment appear to be minimal for Woolies shareholders, and that's the positive. And Country Road continues to actually execute relatively well, and mm -hmm. uh, and and Australia is still actually, you know, the year that was reported still actually saw a period where where there was negative impacts of COVID and, yeah. and the businesses showed improvements. Yeah. I think that's worth, worth noting. All right. Um, Dale, just sticking with you, um, there's a question here on Grinrod Shipping. Um, Grinrod Shipping announced this week that it's in talks for a buyout offer from uh, Taylor Maritime Investments. Can the panel please explain the breakdown of that deal price and who will that special dividend be coming from? Uh, Dale, have you had a chance to look at that breakdown? And I haven't had a chance to, <laughs> to, to look at that, unfortunately, yeah. so I can't really uh, give much detail. Caroline, on your side? I think <laughs> the only thing I looked at it is it's such a low held share, you know, like ah, okay. really don't have any kind of that I just thought was going to be delisting, and I noted it as another delisting. Um, okay, from the JSC, unfortunately. Yeah. So no, I can't talk to Steel in 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 depth. Ah, all right. So, um, Dale, do you feel any sort of way about Grinrod or about the JSC potentially um, losing Grinrod shipping? I mean, it's it's done quite well recently. I'm a little sad. I used to look at it and cover it a little bit more closely yeah. when it was combined. Mm. Um, I think it's, it was always a nice, interesting option when you wanted to understand global shipping and, and some of those you know, trade flows, certainly yeah. on the dry bulk and the chemical side. Um, I think it, it's always been a actually relatively well-run shipping business. But I agree, mm. the, the issue with the JSC losing um, you know, listings, etc., is, is something that is cause for concern mm. as, a, as a fund manager in South Africa, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and we'd love a, a period of, of listings rather than delistings, but unfortunately, yeah. maybe in this tougher macro mm -hmm. environment, and I think people taking advantages of the fact that stocks do look cheaper um, and you know, the ability to actually take them off the market is there. Yeah. Um, there's a question here. Please ask the panel about Murray and Roberts. Uh, the share is down about a fifth over the last month. 
Is it a buy or a sell? Um, they did come out with results this week as well, uh, swinging from a loss to a profit. Uh, seeming like they've got a good pipeline of projects, a good order book. Uh, Caroline, um, would this be an opportunity, this downside that we're seeing in the share price? Would this be a, a good opportunity to buy? Look, I think it is an opportunity. I, I had a look at it again. I thought those results were actually very, very good. Um, you know, considering where all of these, you know, construction engineering companies have been and, and the problems they've had during the COVID period. So I think it, it was a great set of results. Um, mm. This is also a very, very good business. Um, you know, if you just want to look where their projects are, um, you know, the, the, you know, it's energy mining power and it's in it's diverse geographically. You know, South Africa is only 16 percent of that revenue. So it's not even really a South African company anymore. Mm. Um, and there's good um, potential for them, you know, even in South Africa. You know, if we finally get our infrastructure <laughs> projects yeah. off the ground, you know, they do focus on power and water in South Africa. So, yes, I think it's it's solid where it is now. It has recovered after COVID. Um, it has got a very good order book. It is a well-run business. Um, and then there is the potential of getting those extra bits if South Africa gets, like I said, that, that infrastructure expenditure yeah. on, on the road. I'm not a fan of construction companies. Yeah. Um, a lot of you aren't. If one project goes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If one project goes astray, you know, you've lost your margins for your whole book. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, where it is now, you know, it's an option. It's All an right. investment. Okay. Um, there's another question here. Please ask the panel if African Rainbow Capital is a good buy for the long term. Also had results out yesterday. Um, uh, headline earnings did slump uh, by double digits. Um, of course, suffering from the lower prices of iron ore, PGMs, coal came out as uh, the star performer there. Dell, um, what do you think? Do you think that it stands them in good stead that they are diversified on that front? Okay, well, uh, just to clarify, that's African Rainbow Minerals. African Rainbow Minerals. Yeah. Did I say capital? Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Miner yes, <laughs> minerals. <laughs> so, the mineral side, I think, I think your, your points are, are valid. I think they've got a nice diversified, diversified portfolio of minerals. Yeah. Um, and, and from that point of view, you know, I think they're not expensive. But, you know, at this point in the cycle, one has to consider the whole commodity space. You know, they often look cheapest at the top of the cycle or at a period where you shouldn't be buying them. And that's just the caution. Things mm. could be different this time. You know, the one thing that is probably offering support to commodity prices is the lack of um, supply side investment that we've seen since the GFC. Mm. And that's in particular, you know, we've seen that in PGMs. Hence, PGM prices are still at levels where, where the, they're making lots of money um, in an arm. So I think that's um, still valid and, and one needs to just keep an eye on this. If we enter a real deep global recession, it's probably not a space you want to be in. Um, and that's what I think the, has made the market quite nervous with respect to commodity names. Ah, all right. Well, let's get into your stock picks uh, for the evening. Caroline, uh, what will it be for tonight? Well, I'm going to be very brave and I've personally actually semiconductor exchange traded from the um, code is SOXX. Um, it's down 25% for the year. I'm sure it's going to go down a little bit further with all of the um, issues right now with the US and China um, restricting mm. sale of certain semiconductors to, to China. But 
semiconductors as an industry is a growth industry and there's massive growth in, in the years going forward. You just maybe don't want to stock pick at this point. Okay. You know? So this particular exchange traded fund, no company dominates. You know, the, the highest holding is 77% apologies. And you've got Qualcomm, Broadcom, AMD, NVIDIA, all of the big guys where you want to be with, without, you know, with spreading the risk. All right, quite an interesting one. Uh, Dell, where are you hanging your hat on uh, today? Yeah, also a bit of a speculative one, one I'd have a look at is Telcom, just in the context of corporate action. Um, MTN mm. certainly you know, looking at it. Um, I think um, open service is an attractive investment for um, MTN. And, you know, they've still got corporate action around potentially their gyro business or their tower business that I think will unlock some value. So there's a few corporate actions that I think could unlock value for shareholders. Um, I'm not sure you want to be there for the long term post these sort of things playing themselves out, but certainly those transactions would, would, would make it attractive at these levels. Yeah, another, another counter that the JSC could lose as well um, to MTN. But yeah, thank you very much for your time and for your insights today, uh, Caroline and Dale. Uh, that's it for Stockwatch this week. Uh, thanks to my guest, Dale Hutchison from APSA Asset Management and Caroline Kremen from AdviceWorks. From Mizunati Kuma and the rest of the team, have a great weekend.